how can we be our best selves with so much going on in the world? How can we live a primal lifestyle that follows some of the tenets of our ancestors when you still have a nine to five or you work virtually? These are the questions that I have for our guest for today. Her name is Charlene Giselle. And as her name suggests, she's French. She is awesome. Here are her credentials. She's a primal health coach. She's a business coach. She's a certified diet specialist. She's a fundamentals of the Wim Hof method practitioner. She's a really fascinating person. And this is a really kind of open conversation about what it takes to be your best. And because there are so many people from all around the world that listen to this podcast. Hopefully some or all of this applies to you in your life. How can you use breath work? We actually go through one in this episode that might help you. How can you change your diet or the way that you think about yourself so that you can live your best possible life, your optimal performance? That's what this is all about. Charlene Giselle can be found at charlenegiselle.com, and I really enjoy talking with her. She's a coach just like me, and I love sharing tools with you as often as possible. If you want to learn more about what I do as a coach, go to seanmccormick.com. I'm actually merging sites right now, and uh, we'll have a bunch of information up there for you so you can see the show archive. And I am continuously at work on the virtual biohacking assistant, which we're actually changing the name, but it's coming along nicely. It will be a one-stop shop front door for your best possible customized to you lifestyle, biohacking, natural health, all wrapped into one, customized by you. So I'm really excited to share this episode with you because it's packed with great information. And if you love this, if this information resonates with you, you're like, man, this was some good stuff in here. Share it with your friend. Just send them a link or subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast and enjoy this really insightful conversation with Charlene Giselle. Welcome, everyone, to the Optimal Performance Podcast. My name is Sean McCormick. I'm a life coach, performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, and it's my pleasure to bring to you every single week the world's leaders in the field of performance so that you can live your life at its most optimal level, plus cutting-edge ideas so that you can stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing world. Let's dig right in. Well, let's dive into some of the areas that you are an expert in because uh, there's so many overlaps with the things that I really love, and you know, anytime anyone comments on a picture of my ribeye um, and my uh, bone marrow and potato salad. Uh, you know, I know that you're, you're in the, you're in the same camp, uh, obviously nutritionally, but we're, we're just going to roll into it. Um, I'd like to ask, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sorry, we skipped that part a little bit. <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, it's, it's more flowy this way. Um, before I ask the first question, uh, just give us a little bit, I don't, I, I'll do, obviously do an intro before very briefly, but if you could just tell everybody just really briefly your background, uh, what it is that you do? Sure. So my name is Charlene Giselle. I'm a corporate wellness consultant. I used to be a lawyer, so it was a bit of a jump of career. I uh, burnt out. This is really the story. And I also saw my loved one go through really sort of big health crisis and um, it really shook me up and it made me think that you know wealth accumulation to then repair health damages is perhaps not the best strategy at least not for me not to say that it doesn't work great for many people but um, I was really burning the candles at both ends and I was brought up in a very sort of earthy way with nature in the south of France and then I wanted to live this big corporate flamboyant life in the city of London and I, I think I got already excited, you know, I loved my work so much that I overworked. I can't really blame anyone. I just, uh, I threw myself in it and um, it was, it, it was, it was messy. <laughs> I really burnt out and I thought, okay, um, what is it about this profession and why is it that there isn't more ambassadors about the importance of wellness and not this, you know, not just health, wellness, because I think there is a bit of a, an understanding that you know health will be as opposed to disease but there is something else which is you know wellness optimization actually not just being okay thriving being really 
with boundless energy, with vitality, with optimized sleep, optimized waking up. I was far from that. I was, um, you know, I was feeling uh, stressed, anxious. I was not doing my daily steps. My nutrition was suboptimal. The typical corporate, um, you know, corporate corporate uh, disease, you know, yeah. modern world disease. And um, I thought, right, I'm going to go on a quest. So I think a little bit of a hero's journey, you know, a call for adventure. <laughs> yeah. And I went to live uh, in India in an ashram. And then I went to live um, in a tiny Indonesian island for a few months, living a very primal lifestyle, uh, getting fishes. And mm, it was very uh, Robinson Crusoe, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, very far away from the city of London. And and the thought was really growing, how do I bring back those messages? How do I set up a consultancy that will be completely focused on serving the corporate world and bringing the message and, and proposing a blueprint that will encompass the mind, the body, but also the spirit, the lighter element. Um, and that's what I did. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. You know, for, for the listeners of this podcast who are, most of them are, you know, go-getters, type A. Uh, very driven, very focused, fit, you know, focused on performance, obviously. And uh, I experienced this with my coaching clients as well is it's hard to do the corporate, um, any, 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 really any position that you're in, in your job, it's hard to be really good at your job and have a high level of, uh, of focus and efficacy in your position, especially if you're in a leader, leadership position and eat really well and have an enriching spiritual practice and be living with great purpose and have a connection like uh, uh, with your family and, and, and have, you know, a deep spiritual aspect. And, and I have this tool called uh, the life positioning system, which sort of looks at eight different categories. And for people who are highly driven, highly successful and focused on on, on that sort of area of their life, it almost is, is almost always, there is a lack, there's a gap for people, whether it's in their health or their relationships or with their purpose or with their fun and recreation. And so I wonder about how you think about how these things weave together. Like what are some of the keys uh, in your experience for people who have really high level, high level jobs and also are focused on their health and want to also increase their level of play and spiritual purpose and their, you know, family and relationships. Like what, what works for clients of yours? Proximity. And I suppose that's quoting Tonya Robbins, you know, proximity is power. And I believe in that so wholeheartedly in the sense that with proximity come peers, you know, we all like the fellowship and laws of the ring for a reason, because mm -hmm. we like to, master and we like to follow it's in our human nature it's we it's our biological way of being as human nature we're very tribal right so what i mean by this proximity is you actually need to have someone that does that thing you want to do mm. and the problem with corporate culture is that there is a peer culture of work hard die hard type of thing you know mm. like really really working hard not necessarily working smart and the culture that is embedded within those organizations is actually that of over time, not necessarily of wellness. It's let's use up our body to its maximum capacity, not let's optimize our focus or optimize our brain health or optimize our recovery or reset to recover and recover to to, to focus well again. So I think when you bring in that proximity of having someone in the wellness world that can speak the jargon of corporate, corporate success, but say, hey, actually you can have it all. You do yeah. not need to quit your job and go live in Nepal. You can do that job that you love, which is, is you know, it's a beautiful thing. It's something to be proud of. Being a lawyer, being a banker, being an accountant, all those are professions to be very proud of but you have to optimize the way you do it. And that can't be guessed because there is no lecture on how to be well. There are lectures on how to perform and they somehow have a huge blind spot on, on wellness. I was 
going to hours and hours of training. And I was always training up and up-leveling my skills as a lawyer, right? Going to more arbitration seminars and more seminars to be a better lawyer. But I genuinely never once had a wellness seminar. Hmm. Uh, and I think that's the key missing. So when someone comes in and brings on that message and shows a new way, and peers start to follow, and decision leaders, CEOs, CFOs, all the leaders, partners in the law firm, decision makers start to say, hey, listen, I have a wellness coach, or I have a wellness instructor, or I have hired someone, and I'm going to deliver a wellness corporate workshop. Suddenly, there is an interest because mm -hmm. there is a fellowship. There is a following, following the master. Yeah. It's just a tribal thing to do. Yeah. Oh, it's totally. Oh, that's well said. Yeah. And, and I think that it's it, it's oftentimes hard to if there's nobody around you, you know, if you're in this, if you're in a C-suite and, and none of your colleagues at that level uh, have that connection to uh, or, or an importance uh, in, in lifestyle and and loving yourself and caring for yourself, um, connecting with nature, it's tough to be, it's tough to be that person because there's so much pressure to be online, to be available, to put out this fire, to, you know, be at all these meetings and stuff like that. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's shifted obviously because there's so many people who are working virtually. So it's easier to be barefoot. You know, it's easier to go outside and sun your butthole. It's easier to eat liver, you know? Um, but it, it, you're right. It is, it is tough for people to connect with this level of wellness. If, if everyone else is optimizing for hashtag hustle, hashtag grind, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, honestly, it could be too much of a jump to talk about sending your balls for the corporate world. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm very much embedded in the tantric community and I'm very au fait with all of that. But that is just too much of a jump. I am really a firm believer of incremental changes and consistent behavior changes. Yeah. So, you know, when you're talking to the corporate world, it's sometimes something as little as, hey, listen, intelligent break, have a little walk. 20 minutes out of the desk, out, 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 really quit that desk, you know, <laughs> and genuinely meaning it, get out, get up, get off of your seat, stretch, stretch your wrist, breathe. My, my clients have what I call uh, email apnea. They literally, <laughs> um, when I coach them, I see even they just, it just completely blocks and the shoulder rise and they just freeze. And that's why I wanted to become a breathwork instructor because I, I realized when um, an executive has to be at their work, at their desk for hours at end, sometimes the only form of movement is breathing, which mm. is movement in disguise, right? So if you're going to do a dynamic breath, like a round of breath of fire, you're really prepping yourself up for a meeting. I've been coaching executives mm. that would call me before they go into a board meeting and be like, okay, let's do this dragon breath, th that, that thing, you know, and then just go... <laughs> They do it for one minute with me, which is super. And then they go in feeling like superheroes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's it's in order to be, I mean, we, we evolved in this way, right? We evolved to be connected with the world around us. We evolved, you know, barefoot outside, you know, foraging and hunting and and being around our loved ones and the the corporate um, reality is just, it's just so detached. And so it's, you've got to find, if you want to be good there, you've got to honor obviously the, the primal, uh, the primal approach. So I want to ask, um, how is it that you define primal living? Mm. Um, it's actually perhaps going backwards instead of thinking forwards and somehow that could, seem uh, a bit of a clash with biohacking but I think actually they nurture each other there's a lot of biohacking um, in my eyes is actually just mimicking nature you know think about red light therapy it's mimicking a sunset or a sunrise blue light glasses it's just mimicking the fact that we didn't use to have blue light exposure um, so a lot of those biohacks are actually just trying to put us back in our natural state of being primal is looking backwards in terms of what did our ancestor do to be the human that we are so what is our genetic 
heritage, how did we evolve, how we hardwired, what is our gene clocks, how do our circadian rhythm work, how do our ultradian rhythm work, and bearing all of those things in mind, then you can really actually optimize your health by trying to mimic the way our ancestors live and do it with the support of technology when doing it natural ways, not accessible. So, you know, the, the world biohacking sometimes I think is slightly overused or misused. Um, and I also know that more and more in the community, there is sometimes a bit of resistance and some people don't want to be called biohackers. Mm. Um, and I can see why. I, frankly, it's a label that was given to me rather than the label I gave myself. Uh, you know, I was doing all the Winhof training. I was doing the cold exposure. I was drinking fat in my coffee. Yogic tradition has been drinking fat in their teas for thousands of years. Right. And I'm proud that they knew about this Silicon Valley definition of biohacking. You know, they yeah, right. wasn't born yet. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So what is what is biohacking if not going back to nature living in a modern world and being assisted by the technology and the tools that we now have there is no denying that technology is here um, and as far as i can see it's about empowering ourselves to use it and not to be enslaved to it yeah that's really great yeah i i totally agree and and my favorite biohacks are the biohacks that are mimicking our natural rhythms like you said using technology blue blocking glasses to mimic nature you know um grounding um decreasing emf inside your home you know um yes. you know breath work fasting these are all things that we like evolved from these practices have allowed us to survive and procreate and so if you're you know living a, you know, a, a sort of a classical, you know, you're part of this world now. So how can you go back? How can you turn the clock back? Um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's everything. And, and, and I think, you know, Ayurveda is, is at the forefront of really of, of biohacking. I mean, using herbs, um, looking at, uh, at tinctures and combinations of pro of, of products, uh, that will help you, um, detox that will help you, you know, um, sleep better or increase your energy, your prana or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in line with that. I love that. I tried some really cool shaga tinctures when I was in Finland for the biohacking. Mm. It was really nice. Nice. Yeah, it was so cool. We went sort of mushroom hunting and, uh, and then I actually went hunting and hunting in Lapland. So that was really an amazing experience. Um, yeah, I think it's about actually just, you know, forcing ourselves a little bit to go back to the primal ways, as in to get exposed to what's not comfortable and also what's unfamiliar. Um, and I was certainly guilty of that, you know, sitting in my high tower corporate office, I wasn't exposing myself to the elements and I wasn't exposing myself to all this but microbial activities, you know, being in the sand, being in the garden, being in the water. I did as a little girl when I was being brought up um, and I, I've forgotten about that. And now, you know, I, I eat with my fingers. I like to garden. I like to, you know, I have dirty feet most of the time <laughs> walking around bare feet. And it's important because it's actually protecting our immunity as well. And it's just part of who we are, but we've become a little bit too wrapped up in plastic from the inside out. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Um, one of the things that you said that kind of resonated with me was the idea of not doing hard things anymore and how pampered and babied we all are with you know, supercomputer in our, in our pockets and, you know, air conditioning and, you know, just the modern um, way that we live really does protect us and our children from that discomfort. And so, uh, you know, I've heard you on other podcasts, you know, talk about um, the importance of being uncomfortable. And I think that that's something that just needs to be repeated over and over. So can you speak a little bit about the the importance of being comfortable being uncomfortable mm -hmm. i think that's a beautiful question thank you for asking particularly as it's one of the things that i'm most passionate about and i think um 
when I started to talk about uncomfortable, it was a lot about the, the, the physical body. So, you know, doing the Winhoff method, being in the ice, which I particularly love, or being in the heat and doing that contrast, you know, hot and cold, um, but also just um, being, being able to sustain uh, long outdoors exposure. So not always seeking refuge indoors and just going on adventures and going on hikes and being a bit adventurous. There is another form of uh, being uncomfortable, which I'm particularly fascinated with. It's more of the psychology called the mind, you know, the suppression of whatever is not comfortable to talk about. Um, and as, as, as you are a coach as well, our role is oftentimes to facilitate that transformation by being able to offer a safe and neutral space for our client to to voice out what is not comfortable and actually to dig it out a little bit you know and what is that thing that is not comfortable to talk about but actually that must be talking about because mm. I think as adults we're not often given a safe container to express our feeling and we don't really ride the wave of the emotion we just suppress them down to a level that is tabooed otherwise or because we don't allow ourselves to be socially expressive or we don't you know we don't allow ourselves to sigh or shake or doing my breath work most of my clients don't even feel comfortable in the first session to open their jaw you know animals they're raw and when i arrived at the summit i i made everyone raw i was like give me your raw ah, show me your teeth <laughs> you know it's i mean animals smells each other's butt and we can't even show each other's teeth what's wrong with us shame on us really <laughs> yeah. you know if it's it's like we've 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 actually, you know, it's it's a sort of devolution uh, in in a way because we're disconnected to our senses. We are afraid to smell, we're afraid to feel, afraid to to hear. We can hear a lot better than we think. We can, you know, see a lot better than we think. I I, I love the comment in the podcast that we can actually hear hot and cold water uh, yeah. that was mentioned. I, I that was news to me, but. In a sense, it doesn't surprise me because we have extraordinary potential that we don't tap into. And when we learn to be uncomfortable with whatever aspect of our life, be it psychological, physical, emotional, or even spiritual, the idea of, you know, what is faith? What is bliss? What is believing? What is something bigger than myself? And I'm not talking about religiosity. I'm talking about, you know, faith in general. What is the belief that I am part of something bigger than myself you know what is my sense of fulfillment what is the art of fulfillment all those questions they're yeah. not always comfortable and and I like to think that's what I do you know push my clients with love but with love but certainly tough love into places that are not comfortable that's where mastery comes out of I think as well yeah I totally agree with that yeah, that that uh, that ability to and and oftentimes we need someone else to bring that up for us because we you know we are conditioned to avoid discomfort and increasingly 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 so and so it's really important for 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 whether you hire a coach I mean really it's hiring a coach because our you know and this is a topic that 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 I we cover a lot with a lot of my clients is you know your spouse. Uh, is not skilled in the art of, of pushing you or motivating you or challenging you, right? They love you and they want to love you the best way that they know how, but they're not skilled or trained in the way to help you reach your highest potential. Your best friend that you grew up with loves you but your best friend is likely not going to be the catalyst for you to continue to grow and have great purpose and mission in your life. And so it's really important. I think, obviously, obviously I think we think to, to hire somebody, to bring somebody in that will help you push your boundaries and asking, like you said, those really uncomfortable questions, like, what do you want? Like something as simple as asking someone, what do you want? Very few people can answer that. Mm -hmm. Uh, right. I mean, how, I, I assume that that's part of, part of the way that you approach people, like speak on that a bit. Absolutely. And even the vision, you know, when you start coaching the vision and if you follow any kind of NLP practices and you go into part integration and you ask, well, what's the purpose? 
anything that you do, what's the purpose? Okay, well, either thriving or something that doesn't serve you. So, you know, if somebody says, oh, they want to train, but instead they eat junk food. Okay, what's the purpose? Okay, oh, safety. Oh, interesting. Why do you want to be safe? Oh, you want to be safe because, okay. And then, oh, you don't do this. What's the purpose? Oh, safety. Hmm, interesting. Safety again. What's the purpose of safety? Oh, not feeling abandoned. What's the purpose of that? Well, I was abandoned by my parents. And, and then you come to really interesting insights during the session by just going down the level. It's, I like to think of it a bit like an iceberg. You know, your client comes in and shows you the tip of the iceberg. And then our work is to bring the water level down hmm. and to see what's lying underneath. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun work, isn't it? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You do have to keep your energy high. And yeah. that's why my, my um, sort of health routine has become quite regimented. I actually have my little, uh, <laughs> it's going to make you laugh, but have my little uh, atomic habit journal. But yeah. I just, uh, honestly, <laughs> I, I just can't live without a little habit and a little tracker because my days are, are packed and I need to serve at my highest level of energy as a coach, as you know, you are too. You can't really arrive and be like, uh, I'm having an okay day. You're like, hey, yeah. what can I do for you today? Right. <laughs> your, well, your energy is your brand, right? Absolutely. And, and and even even beyond that, for those of us that are working with people who are obvious, who are oftentimes going into some dark spaces, you know, revealing dark moments, um, you know, having a lot of fear. What, one thing that I've found kind of the hard way, you know, with you know, two, two, two coaching sessions a day, you know, three hours a day of, of helping people like dig deep and, and understand themselves and, and break through barriers is that I found that I got burnt out. And, and so not only do I have to keep my energy really high, but I also have to like protect myself a little bit energetically from just absorbing all of their, all of other people's stuff. Um, you know, their, their fear, their anxiety, their issues, their problems. Like I have, I have my own, I have my own stuff that I'm working on and I have lots of different ways to do that. But um, have you experienced that? Like, do you feel oftentimes that, that you're just like kind of like sponging in other people's like darkness and fear? Yeah, absolutely. I have my little rituals to protect myself from them. Um, I actually learned them from some of my teachers and it's been immensely useful. One I've slightly tweaked, but it's um, with my breath before a session, I just sort of breathe in the color that resonates with me and I breathe out and I just imagine that cocoon. So it's like I'm pushing out love. So it's I have lots to give but I have a veil that's protecting me. So they get all that they need for me to serve in the best and highest way, but I have my protection. So it's kind of almost like a one way, you know, they can right. get all my love, they can get all my compassion and they can get all my service, but I'm not getting back the energy that, you know, might not serve me in this moment. I'm, I'm present, hundred percent present, but I'm not receiving the fear, the trauma, the anxiety that they're experiencing in that moment, because otherwise that wouldn't let me serve my next client in the highest possible way. Yeah. So I just do this little exercise and then nature is my biggest source. Mm. I, you know, not wanting to sound too woo woo, but I, I do love getting close to trees and, you know, taking my shoes off, whether we call it grounding or earthing or just getting a little dirty, you know, I just, I like to play and to resource myself with nature and to eat really nutritious um, I'm on an animal-based diet. And I love it. I think it feeds me so well. I haven't felt the need, as I said, to take much supplements because I'm, I'm feeling great, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. and um, it's, it's super important. And I track my sleep. I do like using rings to track my sleep and to really optimize and adjust my bedtime. Mm -hmm. When I think of my bedtime, like a child, you know, my, my bedtime, I, I work towards my bedtime and I prepare my bedtime. Like I prepare my great days. I put as much effort and attention into a successful night as I would into a successful day. A quick thank you to one of our sponsors and then right back into the episode. This episode is brought to you by Inside Tracker. You can go to insidetracker.com forward slash optimal and you will get 25% off what I think is the most 
futuristic, the most innovative way to really know what's going on inside your body. This process of getting blood work done, seeing all of your blood markers, up to 42 different blood markers that tell you what your inflammation is at, where your vitamin D is at, and then understanding whether you are in the optimal range too low or too high with any of these blood markers that suggest how healthy you are on the inside, and then some suggestions for dietary changes and lifestyle changes that you can make every single day to be your best self. Inside Tracker is what I think is the missing link in the future of the medical paradigm. This is actually outside of the medical paradigm where you can take your health into your own hands so that you can live your best possible life. What's also cool about Inside Tracker is that you can also link in your Fitbit data or your Garmin data from your health tracker that you wear on your wrist and your genetic data in one single hub through the Inside Tracker app to see maybe you have a higher risk of certain things. And that's why you should take special attention to some of the blood marker information that you get. And it's already made a difference for me. I've changed just a couple of things in my diet and in my vitamin routine. And I feel better, I'm sleeping better, I've got more energy, I love it. So again, go to insidetracker.com slash optimal and get 25% off what will be the most important thing that you do for your health in probably a very long time. Okay, back to the episode. Yeah, I definitely want to get into routines for sure with you because I know that um, that's a big that's a big um, area of focus for you. Um, one thing that, that I think the listeners can benefit from is, you know, it's not just for coaches. It's not just for people who are, who are working with people deeply one-on-one is that we can all protect our energy. We can all make it a point of before we go into a meeting or a zoom call or whatever, even like coming, you know, reconvening with our family is there, there is, there is a way to protect yourself and whether it's using, you know, breathing a color you know, creating like a force field, a, you know, one way street of energetically, so nothing, nothing's going to break into this, but I can send things out of this. I think people can tinker around and should explore different ways to do that. Because if you're going into meeting after meeting, after meeting, after meeting every single day, and you're not protecting your energy or, or even like thinking about the fact that you're just absorbing all of this, like a sponge, you know, I, I met, um, I learned this technique from, uh, from an Ayahuascaro um, to, 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 as, as things come in, you don't want to like send it back to them. You don't want to like push their energy back toward them, but you can just send it up. You just send it mm-hmm. back to God, right? It, ha- it came from this place. It's coming towards you, you know, um, just send it back to God, like all this negativity, all this energy is like, send it back up. So I'm smiling because actually I, I I love that you said that because my teacher told me to send it back to the earth. Ah. She said, put your plant, your sole of your feet down, close your eyes and just send it back like roots and don't worry, the earth can take it. And ah. I love it because you're going up and it's, but it's the same. It's just somewhere else. And I do that lots as well. If I feel like, you know, that, that, that's quite a lot. And even I can feel like, you know, my little veil is being pierced through yeah. and I just, you know, I push it down, right. With, with love and kindness, but I'm like, okay, this doesn't belong to me. And also incantation, incantation and information. Yeah. I sometimes walk around after a coaching session and, you know, I, I, I experience physical I'm sure it happens to you too, but sometimes I get goosebumps. Well, I get, you get physical reaction. We're only humans, right? So of course, what we hear affects us as sometimes at a very physical level. I will walk around and go, you know, this doesn't belong to me. This mm-hmm. doesn't belong to me. Or uh, little incantation. And, and I think that's the power of affirmation. They're very, very powerful, right? Yeah. Language. Language is powerful. Self-talk is powerful. Yes. I want to, I want to go there with you too. Uh, but let's talk about habits. Uh, what, what are some morning rituals that you are, that are like non-negotiable things that you do every single day. And then after that, you can talk a little bit about some of your, uh, your bedtime routines. Yeah. Well, so I'll be, uh, completely honest. Um, I've been a digital nomad for the past few years, so I have to keep my non-negotiable, uh, routines fairly, um, small because I'm on the move all the time. Mm -hmm. So I don't have my house that I can, you know, move with. So I keep it very simple. Whenever I wake up, I make a commitment not to touch my phone. 
for a while, not until I'm fully awake. And I have a gratitude journal that I fill in every day. I know it may sound very basic, but it changes my day because I wake up with a positive mindset, ready to, you know, to just feel grateful. And for every gratitude, I make sure that there is an inward, outward. So gratitude for my outside world, my family, my loved ones, my partner, and then something that I'm grateful for my body, my heart beating, my sides, whichever it may be. Um, and then I'll have a little stretch, a little breath work. I'll just take a moment. I try to be in silence. I always try to remember when I used to have a cat and I will watch my cat stretch and I kind of be the cat for the morning. You know, take my time. I try not to jump out and just rush. Um, I always do that. And then I'm a coffee fan. Uh, I, love, I love my coffee. I love experimenting with different flavors and types of coffee. I've tried uh, mushroom coffees and um, I've tried many kinds of coffee. Uh, if I know that I'm going to fast for the whole day or at least midday doing an OMAD or TUMAD, then I'm going to have a little bit of coconut oil or MCT oil or peptides or just have a plain coffee. And then I go for my steps because um, otherwise they can get forgotten. And mm, like I said, yeah. it's my weak spot because I'm uh, a very strong worker. <laughs> I still have the very strong corporate mindset uh, that I've had for years. So my natural default is to go to work, work, work. So I have to actually not trust myself. I've learned over the years that if you have discipline, then you don't need willpower, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've learned not to trust my willpower. I know I have a lot of willpower in the beginning of the day, but it does go decrease, it's natural. So I have very strong discipline instead. But I'll have even, I gamify my days as well. So if I know that I need to have a run that day, I'll put running shoes before my coffee. So it's like, okay, you get coffee if you get on the run, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, uh, gamification is amazing. I recommend everyone to play little things. Same with gratitude. If you're worried about not remembering, put gratitude stones around your house. Like a little stone, even if you're a digital nomad, have a little reminder, a little token that you need to do your gratitude or your affirmation. They work the trick. Hmm. So you you start your day, um, you include a walk as part of your morning routine? Yes, I do, because it puts me in the right mindset. And also, like I said, I do have a tendency to work a little too much, <laughs> especially as I work on different time zones. So I really need to know um, that I eat the frog. You know, I learned this from the book, Brian Tracy, eat the frog first. It's, <laughs> it's honestly, it's true. If you do the thing that you have more chances of forgetting first thing in the morning, you set yourself up for success. Yeah. Um, now I have a personal trainer coach. Uh, she's amazing. I see her three times a week. So whenever I need to do some strength training, my primal essential movements, I'm getting coached. Uh, and I love that because it also keeps me fitter and fitter and she's brilliant. And I also think it's very important as coaches to always have coaches. <laughs> yeah, right. So is, um, is, it, is it a virtual coach or is she, uh, yeah, is she physical? Yeah. Because I'm always moving, so it would be hard for me to be consistent otherwise. Yeah. And I, I think consistency is key and I like to, you know, walk the talk. So yeah. Um, and then I get on with my work. I usually work quite late into the evening because I have a lot of uh, US-based clients. Um, so I like to do my red lights if I've missed the sunset, which in London I often do. Uh, so I always do my red light more as a mimic to the sunset rather than the sunrise, because oftentimes in the morning I get an outside walk. Um, and then for my sleep, I always reverse engineer my sleep. So I, I work out my ideal bedtime. And two hours before my bedtime, I make sure that I'm not exposed to screen or if I am, I have, I have my blue, blue blocking glasses and I have a ritual that will be calming. I make sure that I do my breathing, my grounding meditation. Um, I really like to do physiological sides as well during the day, whenever I feel like I have a difficult emails. Do you know about those? The no. No. Are you familiar with Dr. Andrew Berman, neuroscientist? Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with the name, not his work really. He's He's, uh, he, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his work and he, um, he's done very, very beautiful um, methodology whereby he explains in great details how to do a physiological site, which is very simple. It's really, 
We can do it together if she wants. Let's do it. <laughs> Double inhale. <laughs> and everybody hearing us, perhaps we can do it with us too. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do it. Together. So you double sharp inhale twice and release exhale. Okay, so active inhale, passive exhale with the side. Let's do it for three rounds. Yeah. So great. And you just feel like an instant, whoo, okay, I'm here, I'm grounded. Yeah. And this is a beautiful trick. As you have children, you might have noticed that your little ones do that naturally to soothe themselves when they're yeah. sobbing. They go, well, yeah. that's our biological hardwire, actually. So we, we know how to do that. And as well, if you've witnessed an adult having a, a claustrophobic attack in a left, I don't know if you've ever witnessed that, they'll go, it's just... Wow. A natural thing. So when you learn tools like that, that are very simple, and I like to call them like in my pocket tools, because again, mm -hmm. being a digital nomad, it needs to fit in my pocket on my yeah. suitcase. <laughs> 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 if it doesn't, it's going to be harder. Then it's just great to tap into those little quick fix throughout the days, because again, consistency is key, incremental changes, compounding amazing transformation. So Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I'm not, I've never used that breath before. I love it. Um, do you usually, do you always do a set of three or can you do 20? You can do, you can do a whole minute of it, but the, the set of three is really going to give you that boost. I, I like to, anytime anyone tells me, oh, what, what about breath work? How do you use breath work? It's, it's something that I'm most passionate about breath work. I, you know, I do online classes. I do it part of my program. I wrote an ebook on the subject. I love breath work. I always think, tell me what you want. I'll tell you how to breathe. Because, you know, a lot of the time we think, oh, breath work. Actually, it's quite precise. You need to know what you want. Then yeah. I tell you how to breathe. Because if you want sharp focus, like, sure, we're going to do like a dynamic breath work. We're going to make sure that you're feeling ooh, ready. If you want to ground yourself, we're going to do a humming bee or we're going to do something else. So, you know, whenever someone tells me, give me breath work, well, give me first your vision. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tension. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and there's more and more nuance, right. As you, as you go mm -hmm. deeper and deeper, you know, do you want, uh, are you going to be sitting in focus? Are you going to be walking in focus? Do you have to clean? Do you have to, you know, give a presentation and there's, there's all, there's so much variability. Um, what, what are, let's, let's go deeper. Cause this is really great practical, uh, tools for people. Mm -hmm. Um, What's a good breath work to do right before you, let's say, you know, have to speak on a Zoom call? Mm, breath of fire. That would be really good. So you're going to sit up straight. Um, you can either have your cross-legged or just erect spine. Can I walk you through it? Please. Okay. So just make sure you release any tension in your shoulder. Maybe a quick roll. Neck is just neutral. Make sure your chin is feeling... Nice, and release any tension in your jaw. You can drop your attention inward. Just really stay focused and present. Just become aware of the fact that you're breathing. So inhale through the nose and exhale through the mouth. And we're gonna get ready for active exhalation. So what it means is we're gonna push out the air through the nose, the mouth is gonna stay still and we're gonna pump with the belly. So it's gonna go like this. You're really having co-engagement, right? But the exhale is active, the inhale is passive. All right, let's go. Right. Uh, can I set the timer? Shall yes. I do a, a minute round? Let's do a minute. You'll feel a little high. <laughs> All right. All right, let's go for it. On the count of three, two, one. Super work, keep it up. You're 15 seconds in, you've got 45 seconds to go. Make sure you're using your belly as a pump, co-engagement, erect the spine, great. Active exhale, push out with your nose. You're halfway there. Twenty seconds to go. 
engage the core. 10 seconds. Three, two, one, release. Come back to your natural breath. And enjoy. Feel the sensation. You might have a little warming in the body. Perhaps a little slight tingling or lightheadedness. How are you feeling? Feeling good. Yeah, a little, yeah, like uh, my lungs, my lungs are activated. I'm very present of like my chest and my throat. Very focused. Yeah, that was, that's nice. That's, uh, what do you call that? Breath of fire. Breath of fire. Cool. Mm -hmm. For those of you who are, who did not do the breath of fire, you just enjoyed us nose breathing for a minute uh, after that, after this is over and use this, try this out because that's the thing too, is I think, I think people want tools. They want products. They want ideas and frameworks and they want the atomic journal. They want the, they want the sleep practices, but I think a lot of us, a lot of people, they just, they hear it once they're like, Hey, that's really neat, but they don't ever do it. They don't ever make it part of their practice. They don't, they don't actually implement this stuff. And so I just want to, as a call to action for everybody, find a place to use this. You know, you have to experiment with this stuff. You have to be willing to do something that you've never done before. You have to be willing to like push yourself a little bit out of the, the, the monotony of the day to like experience these benefits. Like, you know, accountability, you know, for a coach is, is super, super important. Like, okay, you said that you were going to do this. Now, how will I know as your coach, how will I know that you've done it? I think that you can set up your own, maybe you have some ideas on how people can set up their own framework for accountability, because I think having this stuff is one thing, knowing it is one thing, but doing it is something different. I love this question and it's one of the things that I, you know, do with my all my leadership coaching. First of all, take your to-do list and put it right in the bin right now. If you have one, erase <laughs> it. Oh, genuinely, if anyone in your audience is listening right now and feels a little triggered, good, good. If you have one takeaway point, throw away your to-do list. Instead, look at it and put a time and a schedule for every to-do action. Anyway, if that to-do action is under five minutes, do it. There is no point. You've taken more time writing it down and it's just creating noise and creating space and it doesn't have a space. Get rid of it. If it's more than five minute task, schedule it. Take your calendar, Google Meet, Google Calendar, whatever it is, and put it at a certain allocated, designated time and day. To-do lists are overrated. They're the best way to feel overwhelmed because you can never get to the bottom of it. Instead, you become a masterful scheduler. Mm -hmm. If you fa fail to schedule, you're scheduling to fail. So instead of having the to-do list, which is vague, unclear, not time-bound, um, you're saying schedule it, put it on your calendar to do the specific thing at the specific time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't share actions, points as much as I share ideal days or ideal weeks. And you schedule things out. And when you know work-wise you have something coming up, sure, okay. You really need to undo the habit of to-do list. Anytime you feel the urge to write the to-do list, acknowledge the urge, appreciate it, give it gratitude. It took you to where you are now. So it served you for a while, but it's time to grow out of it and get your scheduler out instead. If you if you schedule it, it's bound to happen. Yeah. And don't trust yourself. You know, discipline is a lot more powerful than willpower. Excellent. Oh, that's so great. What what are some of the most common catalysts that bring clients to you? I I'm curious about, you know, you know, a lot of times it's a crisis, right. That makes someone make, go through a change. It's a diagnosis. It's the death of a loved one. It's the change in career that, that really sort of shake people out of their, their paradigm, um, to help them move toward a better version of themselves. And I know that this is true, but also I, I feel like there can and should be other motivations other than like, you don't want to get to that point where 
you know, you have a pre-diabetic diagnosis for that to be the thing that makes you want to change. So I guess it's a sort of a two-part question is what does bring people to you to, to reach out for coaching? And what are some ways that people can make these changes or motivate themselves to become the best versions of themselves before shit hits the fan? Mm-hmm. So the first one I think would be curiosity. Curiosity. Uh, if we take away the big obvious sort of life crisis, right? So a diagnosis, um, a, a divorce, a separation, those big life events. So of course those brings people to coaching straight away, but otherwise it would be curiosity. Oh, I saw this and it's really made me curious. Oh, maybe there is a better way or maybe there is another way, not better, that's a judgment, but other, a different way, curiosity. And also the the wounded hero, you know, the, okay, I've been on my journey and, you know, it's time to lick my wound a little bit. I admit that I might be a hero and I am a hero, but I still need healing to some extent. So that realization can be very powerful. And oftentimes that realization might be coming from a, a close one. So I've had clients that onboarded a little bit skeptical, but they were encouraged by a loved one or someone in their acquaintances to make them realize that perhaps they hadn't fully licked their wounds. And mm. it was, you know, coming up in patterns of behavior that was not serving their close circle. And that's very uh, common. And then there is another category, which are not the curious or not the wounded heroes or not the sort of catastrophic diagnosis, but more the I want the same level of excellence in my career as I want in my house. So I would say they will be the most sophisticated sort of uh, vitality, longevity, want to live until 180 kind of, you know, biohackers. So they're already embedded in the community, but they still want more. If you take my example, I, I have several coaches that I'm working on at the moment, just because I am a coach, I would never say that I'm, I'm far from learning, uh, far from knowing all. I'm learning something new every day and I'm very aware I have blind spots and I, you know, I'm, I'm a lifetime student. I truly am. So that's the fourth category. And I coach coaches as well that just want that sort of, you know, that, that reporting, that accountability, and also that leaning back, right? Um, just because we are coaches and we allow so many people to lean back doesn't mean that we don't need leaning back mm-hmm. to sometimes. Um, so those are the main categories. Excellent. Oh, those are great. Uh, what are, what are, this is on putting you on the spot, but what are three resources, books, uh, courses, um, that, that have really helped you change your mind in a really positive way? Like, is there, are there one or two, maybe three books, whether they're classics or, or, or current that really, really rattled your cage? Yeah, I think, um, well, actually, I might just show them because I happen to have them on my desk. <laughs> All right. So, no, advertising or just <laughs> um, Stephen Kotler, huge fan. I just think that, you know, in terms of ability to come back into the flow or to even realize what the flow is and to understand the connection and the burnout prevention. I've used that methodology a lot for burnout prevention because I think it's key to understand and to even become aware of those moments. Because most of the time, if you're not part of the community, you may not know exactly what the flow is. It's something that you might have heard of, but you don't know that it actually is a thing. Mm. It's, it's backed up by science, you know? So um, I, found, I found this great. Um, That's The Art of Impossible. The book she held up was yeah, The Art of Impossible. impossible. Yeah. He also did uh, Stilling Fire, but I think Art of Impossible would be my number one. Um, and then I have, well, I, as I was just atomic habits, hmm. again, incremental changes, just being able to keep yourself accountable. I particularly love that one because I got the journal and again, just not trusting myself, found the journal very useful and it's very travel friendly. So it's something that I can always have in my carry on and that I know I'm, I can commit to. And then I have Marxist and I like journal. You probably got the message, but yeah. I have uh, the N equals one 90 day journal from Marxist and the primal. And it goes with the primal blueprint, which was the shift for me. And that's how I became a primal health coach. So Marxist's primal blueprint, which are many books and a whole school was one of the B 
major shift in in my mindset and my approach to fitness and my approach to going wild again i think mm -hmm. i always had it in me but i needed to um to find it again you know yeah i love that you have all of those books right there on your desk in front of you uh, uh so actually well so this is this is the thing about traveling i just arrived in france so what what you see is what i have you that's, know and that's, I'm, that's I'm, like, I'm like a moving turtle that's, that's all oh, you've got the microphone you've got the pee popper you've got the books she's good do you have any clothes or like um i actually um no it's 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 a good question i actually don't carry that much i like <laughs> buy local things borrow from friends give away buy awesome. back so yeah um it's it's an interesting way of living i mostly have my mic my keyboard my laptops my books I'm probably one of the dinosaurs when it comes to traveling with books, but I, I have a very uh, sort of uh, physical yeah. love for books. Perhaps it's the lawyer in me still. Sure. And I, you know, I make notes and I highlight them and I think they're beautiful. They're just so close to my heart. So oh, that's so good. Go. I'm, a, I'm a book geek. <laughs> what three books? Yeah. And she's like, actually, I have them right here. Here they are. This one, this one, this one. That's <laughs> so phenomenal. I'm so glad. I asked that question. I don't ask people that question ever. So oh, really? I, yeah, I never do. It's not a common question I ask, but I'm glad I did because you had them right there. Um, <laughs> what, what question uh, have I not asked? You know, I, I feel like you and I should do a part two where we dive into, you know, spiritual practice and, and developing purpose. I think that that we, we would, we would get into some really great areas there, but, um, what, what did I not ask that, uh, that you're like really on fire about right now? I am on fire about inner child healing. Okay. Yes. Tell um, me about that. I think it has a lot to do with my belief that curiosity is one of the key, you know, fundamental pieces of the jigsaw puzzle to happiness and fulfillment. And um, there is so much trauma and also so much joy that is being carried with us with our childhood and rekindling the connection with our inner child and actually learning to reparent that inner child can be so healing at a level that is, you know, more powerful than most of the spiritual practices I've ever tried. And it can happen very quickly. You know, you go through a meditation, you're um, facilitated by someone who knows about inner child healing and you can really get so many insights. Oh, okay, so that's why I have anxious attachment. Oh, wow, okay, so that's why I do this kind of pattern of behavior. And particularly in a world that is very triggering, there are inner children. It's a, it's a psychological reality. That's not just some woo-woo-la-la land yeah. invention. It, we all have our inner children within us. They get activated because inner child um, doesn't like, um, you know, he, he gets, he or she gets fearful. Um, he feels abandoned or he feels betrayed. And a lot of our erratic, irrational adults behavior stem from the lack of healing of our inner children wounds. And a lot of friction between grown adult is actually one inner child having a tantrum with another inner child that hasn't been healed. So often when I do counseling, even with couple, I hear, inner child me in the inner child boy having a little tantrum mm -hmm. and it's they're not meeting at an adult level and i'm not saying that in a condescending way because i yeah. also have my my little one and i had to reparent her because she was wild and naughty mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so inner child healing is not about condoning uh behavior to be childish and to say oh it's my inner child no it's actually learning the hard work of reparenting your inner child yeah so you effectively just you know kicking it a little bit and yeah. saying okay that's what needs doing with love and compassion but you're just rekindling that flame and it's so healing it's it's probably one of the most transformational work that i do with all my clients and i do it in groups as well but when you go private it can can go really far and it's very beautiful wow awesome yeah i did a i did a session with patrick wanis um who who's a he's he does inner child work and is a um clinical therapist and um i'd never done it before 
and my thing was around money. And we talked about like what my deal was with money and where, how that connects to my childhood. And, um, you know, talking to my little Sean inside of me was, was, was a really, I was really uncomfortable with it at first. Like it it didn't, it didn't come easily for me. Um, but I'm really glad, glad, really glad that I did it. That's great. Well, where can people, where, where should people go? How can they learn more? What's, where would you direct them? Um, I'm quite active on uh, LinkedIn um, due to my uh, corporate background, but also Instagram on Charlene Giselle and my website. And if anyone wants to, um, you know, meet my little one <laughs> and introduce me to their little ones, I do in a child meditation every month. And I do uh, breath work as well in group session, or I do private work as well uh, with uh, some clients so they can find me on my website. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Um, this is my last question. It's a fill in the blank question. Um, you can take as much or as little time as you want to, to elaborate, but if you would please fill in the blank, everyone would benefit from knowing themselves better. Hmm. And how can they do that? And Nicole wants, have your own self-experiment, um, have self-experiment, but also dig deep, um, go in places that you don't want to go, uh, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. If you've left the door closed for many years, open it. You know, if you feel like there is a carpet somewhere that hasn't, you know, been lifted in a little while, go and see what's in it or under it, you know, go and meet the monsters underneath the bed and, um, and see, you know, maybe you might slay a dragon. Maybe you might befriend a unicorn. You never know what comes up. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> but, nice. um, you know, go, go, go into the dark, Go into the light and know that you're both dark and light. And I think this visceral admitting of, you know, playing with your shadows and knowing that we can be light with shadows and we can be shadow and light and there is darkness and light and there is light and darkness is it's very beautiful. And there is beauty in pain too and perhaps being a bit more self-compassionate and disciplined at the same time. I think the power of knowing yourself, learning to be yourself, uh, learning also to change the habit of being that self that is no longer serving you, mm-hmm. uh, learning not to trust yourself through the power of discipline um, are very powerful practices. Wonderful. Oh, that's excellent. Well, we'll have to do a part two because there's there's a lot of areas that, uh, that I'd like to go with you and, and, and pick your brain and share. So um, we'll have to do that again. But for now, Uh, Charlene, thank you so much for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I can't wait to talk to you again.